Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. For a quarter century, the United States and Egypt have cooperated to achieve mutual goals in the Middle East, but the relationship has never been without complications. This is Colleen Shaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs. I'm talking with Ashraf Swelam, who has helped tend that relationship since 2000 as an Egyptian diplomat focused on his country's partnership with the U.S. Swelam is currently a World Fellow at Yale University. The program gathers emerging leaders from around the globe for professional and leadership development. American-Egyptian friendship dates back to the Camp David Accord, which of course was hoped to be the beginning of peace and prosperity in the Middle East. But even with Egypt, Jordan, and Israel at peace, the region has been volatile. Do you think there's hope for peace in the Middle East? And what would it take to get it? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Of all the issues that are at the heart of the uh, instability and vulnerability in the Middle East today, um, none is probably more important than Uh, reaching a final, just, and comprehensive uh, settlement for the 60-year struggle uh, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Uh, Thirty years ago, uh, and at a time when nobody believed that uh, peace was possible between Israel and its neighbors, uh, Egypt was at the lead, uh, taking the bold initiative uh, that opened the door for peacemaking in the Middle East, Mm -hmm. uh, eventually culminating in uh, peace occurs between Israel and Egypt, Israel and Jordan, and the numerous occurs that were reached uh, between Israel and the Palestinians uh, throughout the 1990s. Uh, for six long decades, the main obstacle uh, hindering advancement towards a uh, final and comprehensive settlement uh, between the Palestinian and the Israelis was how that settlement uh, is going to look like mm-hmm. on a variety of difficult Uh, sensitive, complicated, and sometimes uh, emotionally loaded questions like land, borders, the future of Jerusalem, uh, the return of refugees. And while we have failed during the 1990s to make that breakthrough, uh, the good news is a peace agreement between the two sides uh, is closer today than it ever was. Um, And I say that because as a result of years of negotiations between the Israelis and the Palestinians, uh, with the indispensable help along the way uh, of both Egypt and the United States, uh, there is today, I think, very little disagreement on how the final uh, settlement would look like, namely uh, two states, Israel and Palestine, living side by side, um, according to the June 4, 1967 borders. Uh, possibly with some necessary modifications uh, based on the concept of uh, equitable land swap, uh, Jerusalem as a shared capital and an open city uh, for all religions, um, a just and practical solution to the uh, problem of Palestinian refugees, and of course an end to all uh, acts of violence. Now, Uh, The shape of the final settlement uh, that I have just outlined Mm -hmm. uh, has been there for some time, uh, effectively since the Taba negotiations that followed the uh, uh, Camp David uh, uh, negotiations uh, back in 2000. And and yet we were not able to achieve uh, progress in the last few years. Uh, Yes, we have witnessed some major uh, developments, including the Arab Peace Initiative of 2002, uh, the roadmap of 2003, Israel's uh, unilateral withdrawal from from the Gaza Strip. But the reality of the matter is we have achieved very little in the last few years. 
Having said that, uh, I have to say that we are extremely encouraged to see the Bush administration re-engaging in the process uh, in what the American side has promised to be a very, very serious effort. Uh, the international conference that the administration is calling for uh, to take place sometime uh, this fall uh, is definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, and to achieve peace, the conference, though, needs to uh, address the very complicated issues that are at the heart of the struggle. Uh, but we have the text. We have um, the things that we need to work with, uh, United Nations Security Council resolutions 242, 338, uh, the Clinton parameters of 2000, the Arab Peace Initiative. Um, but I think the conference need as well to deliver uh, outcomes that are relevant to the daily lives of both the Palestinians and the Israelis. Um, and uh, American leadership in the conference uh, is essential to bring, bridge the gap uh, of suspicion and mistrust that uh, separates the Palestinians and the Israelis today. But even it, presuming the Bush administration got everybody to the table, which is still remains to be seen, um, it, it seems as as one area gets calmed down, another flares up, which brings me to my next question. You were in Washington after the September 11 attacks. You were in Washington when the United States sent troops to Afghanistan and Iraq. What were those days like for you and your colleagues? Uh, on, on the personal level, I think uh, September 11 uh, changed my, my sense of mission and what I am in, in Washington for. Uh, so in addition to representing my country and pursuing its interests, mm -hmm. um, I remember quite vividly thinking to myself that I, I am now a representative of 1.3 billion Muslims who live around the world right. and that whatever I, I say and do might actually matter. Uh, and with that, I don't think that I turn my back uh, to any opportunity to talk to the American people from all walks of life. Uh, about my country, my region, uh, my religion. And that was probably one of the most gratifying and rewarding experiences of my life. Uh, on the professional level, uh, September 11th was, for the better of worse, a defining moment in American Middle Eastern relations, uh, setting the stage for what I have to say is a very turbulent period right. in the relationship between the two sides, uh, including the two military interventions that you just mentioned, uh, the Middle Middle East peace effort basically coming to a halt. And the United States and American foreign policy also became increasingly increasingly unpopular in, in Egypt and the Arab world. And that was the, the environment in which I uh, have to carry out my job. Uh, and while it was extremely difficult and sometimes challenging, uh, it was a, a remarkable professional experience. Your portfolio includes democracy and reform, and the Bush administration has publicly called for Egypt to move toward democratization. How does that kind of prodding play in a sovereign nation like Egypt? I have to say it isn't really popular uh, right now. The the overwhelming majority of, of Egyptians consider the issues of democracy and internal reform, uh, inter um, Egypt, uh, internal matters, uh, and are extremely sensitive to even the perception of a foreign intervention. Uh, for them, uh, I think the future of Egypt and the direction it is heading uh, is one that is and, and should be determined by Egyptians. Um, as far as the Egyptian government is concerned, however, I don't 
think that we we uh, we ever had any any problem uh, in engaging our friends around the world, whether in the United States or Europe or elsewhere, uh, in discussions about our plans and and politic uh, about our plans for economic and political reform, and as a matter of fact, asking for their help uh, with issues that we think that they might contribute positively. One area where friendship has been a lot easier to achieve is trade. Um, you helped convince the Senate to ratify a free trade Egyptian, a free trade agreement with Egypt. What if, what's the potential there for both sides? Um, as you might know, trade is one of the hotly debated issues in, in the United States, and its politics can be quite complicated, and sometimes actually making administrations uh, extremely reluctant to, to initiate free trade negotiations mm -hmm. with other countries, uh, unless there is some sort of backing for those endeavors in Congress. And so, as a result, um, we took it upon ourselves to get the backing. So uh, we engaged members of both the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, culminating in, in significant numbers of members of both chambers uh, supporting the endeavor, uh, including writing to both President Clinton and then President Bush, uh, encouraging them to start uh, free trade negotiations with Egypt. And those letters were uh, backed by numerous uh, messages of support from the American business community. Unfortunately, those efforts uh, did not materialize yet in any serious effort on part of the administration, uh, despite its declared objective of establishing a free trade area with the Middle East by the year 2013, uh, which I have to tell you have been extremely frustrating for the business community in both Egypt mm -hmm. and the United States. And in light of that, I while I don't think that it, there is any realistic opportunity of launching those negotiations anytime soon, uh, especially with the dramatic shifts that took place in Congress over the last few years um, um, with regards to trade. Uh, but as far as Egypt is concerned, we remain interested. Uh, we remain committed to the objective of free trade agreement with the United uh, States uh, whenever the administration is ready. What's, what's the incentive for the U.S.? How would it be benefit the U.S. to increase trade with U Egypt? So uh, free trade has been an objective of the administration uh, immediately after September 11th. President mm -hmm. Bush came out and declared the objective of establishing a free trade area with the Middle East uh, by the year 2013. And I think uh, that this, the logic behind it in Washington uh, was both economic and political, economic in the sense of opening opportunities for the American businesses, but at the same time political in the sense that it was seen uh, as part of a concerted plan to deal with the root causes of terrorism. And while I might disagree a little bit with that characterization, uh, on the Egyptian side, we still see the uh, benefits, both economic and political, for Egypt mm -hmm. uh, in uh, pushing forward and deepening the strategic relationship that exists between Egypt and the United States. After you finish your fellowship here at Yale, you're going to move on to London to be the political officer in the Egyptian embassy there. You've spent an awful lot of your career living abroad. What's, what's exciting or difficult about that? Uh, it's both. It's both exciting and difficult. Um, uh, difficult in the sense that I basically have to uh, uh, move myself uh, every three, four years to a different place, uh, start investing in, uh, in new relationships, new friendships, uh, but exciting in the sense that um, uh, I have been to places that I would have 
never been otherwise. I have uh, come to know people that I would have not known otherwise. And um, being a diplomat has opened my, my eyes to uh, the lives of people who look um, very different than me, mm-hmm. uh, speak a very different language. And yet when all is said and done, uh, I guess we all want the same thing. Uh, and that is basically to lead a useful and fulfilling life. Tell me a little bit about your World Fellows experience. How do you see that impacting your work? Um, World Fellows experience, I have to say, has been an, an, an amazing experience. And in, to a certain degree is a, is, is a testimony to what I just, uh, what I just said. Um, the biggest asset of this program, I think, is the, um, the other 17 World Fellows mm-hmm. uh, in the program who come from all, uh, from different sorts of backgrounds, cultures, and, and backgrounds. Um, what I have learned from them and learned with them um, um, have, will, I think, have its mark on me for the rest of my life. Uh, I have built friendships that I hope will last uh, uh, as long as I live. I now have uh, or claim to have a home <laughs> in uh, di- as distant places as Brazil and Argentina, uh-huh. all the way to India and China. Uh, and this is probably the most remarkable uh, reward that I got from this experience. In addition, uh, I have to say, being at Yale, uh, you know, the experience of being at such a center of academic excellence has uh, opened my mind uh, to uh, new knowledge. I have made connections with uh, both Yale professors, Yale students, the New Haven community uh, that I think will benefit me a lot in, in the remainder of my career. Thank you. We've been talking with Ashraf Swilam, Ministerial Advisor for the Egyptian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. For more information about the World Fellows or other global initiatives at Yale, visit yale.edu slash worldfellows.